Welcome to Heart's Content. I'm your host, William Combs, bringing you a listening experience devoted to learning about people and the things that make them tick. You're listening to episode four, Board of These Games. This episode is going to be focused on learning about board games and what it is about them that intrigues my guest, Jonathan. Welcome back to another episode of Heart's Content. This week, I'm joined by my good friend, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, so I am 26 years old. I'm originally from Arkansas. Um, was born there, raised there, went to school there, and then moved to Austin about three years ago, I think. Um, first job out of college. I work at IBM right now as a software engineer. Uh, nice. Pretty boring standard Austin <laughs> background. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of tech coming here, but uh, it's awesome that you ended up here. Uh, so what is your, what would you say, at least one of your uh, passions is? So yeah, it's kind of hard to say, you know, having a singular passion, but one of the things that I spend a lot of my time um, interested in is board games. Do you like um, play board games, collect board games, research board games, make board games? Definitely not make. <laughs> it sounds fascinating, but no. Um yeah, mostly just read about and then play. Um, I would like to collect more, but it's expensive. And then also, where do you put them all? Right. I, I know people who've uh, like dedicated closets for board games yeah. or like built shelves or different yeah. things. Um, so this is probably a really heavy question because board games go back forever. But uh, how did you get into board games in the first place? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think originally it wasn't board games proper that I got into. Um when I was, I was always kind of interested. Um, and then I really, like, I don't, I don't think very highly of Monopoly now, but when I was a kid, it was something that I enjoyed a lot. I really liked chess. I liked um, Risk the few times I was able to play it at a friend's house. Um, but that was, that was about it. Um, so it was like pretty basic games, I guess. And then around senior year of college, I had a friend who was really into Magic the Gathering. And he had been in for for years. Um, and so he got me into it and it was just something that really appealed to me because I guess you could say I'm a bit of an info junkie and it's something that's, uh, I don't want to say required for magic, but it definitely helps. Um, because there, there's just so many cards, um, uh, so many unique cards and it's a game that kind of revolves around like building your own strategy and your own way to win, uh, your own way to do whatever it is you want to do. And so you, just have to read through card list after card list to find the thing, the tools that you need to make this engine that you're trying to make. And so that just really appealed to my personality, I guess. And so I got really into that senior year of college. Then I graduated and then I kind of had a dark period. And uh, a little bit after I moved here, I tried to get back into it, uh, but I didn't have any friends who played Magic. And I thought that it'd be too intimidating to new players. So what I tried was Netrunner. I think I've talked you about that before yeah it's a similar deck building sort of thing but it's instead of having all the card lists there's only so many cards and they all come in the base set right yeah so so there are still a ton now um it's like there's some core sets that you buy and those have enough they can play um with each of the different factions but then they have different uh, i guess cycles that they uh, release like maybe once or twice a year it's very similar but there are fewer cards and the packs that you buy aren't randomized so okay. it's easier to make sure you have a complete set. And that's what I thought would be more appealing to new players. That, uh, you know, if you want this, you don't have to spend a ton of money to buy rare cards to have a competitive deck. You can just 
by these sets. And um, also like knowing that I was new to it too, I figured I could get a couple friends to maybe join me with it. And then we, you know, would have agreements like we don't buy past a certain set. And so that way you wouldn't have uh, that problem where certain players just have deeper card pools. Right. Um, so I thought that would be less intimidating. But if anything, I think now that was just a bad idea because it didn't have the name recognition that Magic had. Yeah, so, I feel like, at least with Magic, it's big enough that even if someone's not into Magic, they recognize yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas Netrunner is definitely something that even people who are into Magic might not yeah. uh, know about it. And it's a weird concept. It's, so one of the things I really liked about it is that it's an asymmetrical game. So um, one player is going to play as a corporation that is just like building up its servers and its firewalls. And like behind those firewalls, they have their uh, assets and their agendas that they're trying to develop to completion. And then there's the net runner, who's the other player. um, And they're the runner, I mean, sorry. And they are like this person who's jacking into the system and trying to hack the corporation. And so I think most people are more used to, I have an army, you have an army, let's fight each other. Yeah. So not one, it's not fighting, not really fighting, and two, it's not uh, symmetrical, and I think that threw people off. So I've tried to introduce that to like three or four people, I think, and none of them really stuck with it. And I, I'm too awkward and antisocial to want to go to like Dragon's Lair and to play with strangers. Yeah. So yeah, eventually I stopped pursuing that. I still have the cards, but I stopped pursuing that. Um, and then, yeah, started trying more board game board games. And for that, it's always easier to get more people to join. I want to go back real quick, because uh, you mentioned uh, all the cards and building decks for something like Magic, mm-hmm. and you being a very, like, info junkie, kind of, like, enjoying looking up all the data and stuff. Um, as far as, like, decks and card sets, did you prefer building your own or kind of going off a pre-made thing and trying to go for that? Uh, definitely building my own. Um, I mean, because that's really that's ninety percent of the game, uh, and yeah, it's something that I've never, I've never found something like that in a, in another game. So it's something that I miss about Magic, and and Netrunner too. I think it has that. It's just I never got deep, got deep enough into it where I was able to do that. Because yeah, like the initial sets just give you enough for like one deck, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have, you'd have to go out and buy more to. Yeah. Start mixing things in. And you have, um, you actually have a game that's kind of similar, uh, Mashup? Smashup? Yeah. Ma- S- which is it? Uh, Smashup. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I actually hate it. I think yes. you know. Yes. Be- because it's, uh, so for that, it's it's kind of similar. It tries to give you uh, different options, different play style. Like, okay, so you have a lot of decks, but really they're just like half decks. And then you combine two of them to have a full deck. And um, some of the mechanics may work too well together, some don't. Um, but it, really, a lot of the concepts found in Smash Up are you know, directly descended from Magic. So you'll have graveyard decks. You'll have um, decks where you just draw a lot, uh, things like that. So you, know, you might think that it would be appealing to me. But yeah, but because at least rules is written, you're supposed to take these two pieces at random and combine them um it just completely just neuters what i enjoy about that type of game makes too much random and not enough skill kind of yeah it just forces you into a play style that you might not even want to do 
Um, if you're able to choose which halves you, you use, that would be a bit more appealing to me. But even then, it's um, yeah, not much choice. So you um, you mentioned rules as written. Uh, are you much of a person for house rules in games, board games and stuff? For example, if, if there is something specific about Smash Up that you think um, a house rule could make better, are you the type that would want to implement things like that? Or are you very, if it's not in the rules, it's not played that way, kind of? I guess I would say it kind of depends on the situation. Um, but I guess I would say I'm typically more rules as intended. So magic... I know I've mentioned this to you before also. Uh, one of the things I really liked about it was uh, the rules are pretty simple um, on their own, but then the, the each card will add new rules to it that will overwrite, um, over, override uh, rules from the base game, right? right? And you have so many cards that just has so much complexity. And what I like about Magic so much, one of the things I like about it so much is just how... Uh, cleanly it is how graceful it is at handling this and uh, like there are things that might sound complicated but once you figure out how it works and it might require going to the internet and like getting uh, like a judge like a usually if there's a lot of debate on it one of the creators will issue like a statement saying this is how it's meant to be played and once you have that it it all makes sense Um, you might need help seeing it but once you see the way it's supposed to work, it, it's just very graceful. Uh, and so I like that. I like rules that are elegant, um, but sometimes games don't have that. And so if the game rules aren't elegant, I think house ruling makes it better. Gotcha. Because there's um, there's one very specific example I can think of uh, where a group of friends of mine, of course, I blank on the name of the game, but it's sort of like Smash Up in that you get different races and they have different powers on them. Mm-hmm. And so they've essentially found some that are overpowered. Um, so they feed off each other and almost insta-win. And so they've like house banned those combinations mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So I think, like you were saying, there are some cases where some things just even the game. Um, maybe the creators didn't see this specific thing or whatnot. But I always feel like, at least as long as it's agreed upon by everyone playing and it improves the overall enjoyment of the game, then house rules are kind of okay. I would agree with that statement. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, I'm just thinking of uh, like once or twice when I had friends who wanted to house rule something and I don't know, it's, it's a tangent, but yeah, sometimes, you know, you might want to house rule something and it's not really that the rule itself is bad. It's just the players have like a poor understanding of, why the rule is in place okay um and so yeah it, it just varies and you, you do have to be careful when you do that because it might just introduce all another slew of problems one thing one time when it is really great to add house rules is uh i'm just thinking of expansions um especially elder tour is one that i know there's this expansion that adds a new mechanic that like everyone ing- agrees online that it's like a great thing to add um to the base game but you know, you might not want to buy that one expansion because Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror have like 12 expansions each. Um, so for that, you know, definitely all for just house ruling that mechanic back into the game. Uh, so you said you've recently started getting into like board game, board games. Um, how do you, how do you find the games you want to play? Is it word of mouth? 
you know, look up videos or what's your source? Yeah. Um, partly it's just going to board game stores. Um, I don't actually buy them from there often. Um, or at least I don't, I don't just do an impulse buy. I never do an impulse buy for board games. Um, but it's still fun to browse and just see like what looks appealing. Um, especially if they have uh, staff picks, those are always great. Um, but still, I mean, definitely look at reviews afterwards. Um, I have a couple of reviewers that I follow. One of them actually, I disagree with like 50% of the time, but they always have really good analysis of the, uh, the games that they review. And so even if I disagree with them, like I can understand why I would disagree with them. Um, you know, so they just might, they might like certain mechanics or dislike certain mechanics and I feel differently. Um, but either way, it's, it's a good way to learn more about those games. And then Board Game Geek is just a great website for um, for reviews, but then also just resources on the game in general, uh, like information about uh, the top-ranked board games. Um, it has You can search board games by designer. It will give you estimates on how long it takes to play the game. It'll give you recommendations on player counts. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that just really can save you a lot of time in doing your research and in making sure you don't play a game that works great with eight people and then play with two. So that was one of the issues with with me. I I usually find a game I'll like, but it'll be like five or six players is ideal. Mm -hmm. And getting five or six people to sit down and learn a new game, unless you have like an established group, was kind of rough. Uh, So is that something like, do you have an established group that you play with or... Is it just kind of a spur of the moment who you can find kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know if I would call them established groups. I have this one group that I've played uh, this game with. I guess it was only twice, but it was a 12-hour board game. So it makes it feel like an established group. <laughs> and we, we yeah. play to play again. So, I, so like thinking about it that way, we've played like 24 hours together. <laughs> and a time. Yeah. And then I have this other group that we haven't played together recently. Um, but it was about four people total. Um, and we've met up, we used to meet up like maybe a couple times a month to play games. Um, that was for probably like four or five months. And was, were these all people that you just knew before you started playing games or did you meet them as a result of board games? So the smaller group, I definitely already knew. Um, it's like me and my best friend and then, uh, then two of our friends in that, in that circle. Yeah. Uh, and then for the larger group with, because it's six people total for the for the 12 hour game. Right. Uh, for that, it was me and one of my roommates and basically people that my roommate knew and people that uh, he knew through friends. Yeah, that one, I was very reluctant to buy the game because I knew it was a 12 hour game. And, you know, who? how am I ever going to get six people to the table, right? right. Um, but he knew people who were just massively into games. And so... Uh, we just use those. How do you mentally prepare yourself for a 12-hour board game? Because I feel like that's got to be pretty, like... Yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and it was intimidating being the person to buy the game and to, like, set it up and, you know, just to know, like, if everyone hates it, it's on me. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I get stressed out when I buy, like, an hour or two-hour game. Mm-hmm. Like, if they don't like this, then they're going to be mad. Yeah. I'd be really stressed about a 12-hour game. I wasn't too stressed about it, though, because I was 
like so one i was so excited for it and two just everything i'd ever heard about it online was it was nothing but glowing reviews okay um it was it's a game that people say if you get it to the table once a year it's worth it and this is a game that's like 120 bucks and so if they're saying it's it's worth it just to play it once a year that's pretty it's a pretty good review yeah um i'd say but yeah it was it wasn't stressful at all once we started um one of the people there's a couple they came and they brought like i think chips and dip and some other snacks um we ordered food halfway through it was it wasn't just like 12 hours of sitting there (laughs) 12 hours of strategizing working against each other and with each other no i mean it's essentially just like a normal because i know people do like parties or hangouts and those can go for several hours so it's very similar just with a board game at the center rather than something Mm -hmm. else you talked a lot about different mechanics and different games uh what's your sweet spot of mechanics what's the what's something if you see it in a game you're more drawn to it so just for clarification if anyone doesn't uh follow the wording uh mechanics here being like um one person has a secret agenda or there's a roll a dice element where you roll for certain pieces so those are what i mean when i say mechanics yeah i don't know if i have any that i'm particularly drawn to i i because cause I'm still getting my feet wet, I think. There are a lot of games out there, especially classic games out there, that I haven't gotten around to playing yet. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm still kind of trying to sample everything. Um, and I guess Netrunner was you know one of the first things that I invested in mm-hmm. uh, heavily. And then War of the Ring is another board game that I just took to very early on. And both of those are asymmetrical, which... I like it's just it's always interesting when yeah. you have a different game that you're playing than your opponent does. Um, other than that, I guess it's not really a mechanic, but I don't like luck. Um, right. A little bit of luck is good, so you don't have a stale game that's the same every time you play it. But I prefer very little luck. Secret or I don't I don't know what to call it betrayal games. Yeah, like a like, traitor mechanic or something. Yeah, like. That. Um, like resistance or secret hitler um that can be a lot of fun especially in a party setting um i was never able to get i don't know if i don't think i've ever talked about it battlestar galactica yeah okay it's a good one the show or the board game uh board game I have need, you played it need to watch the show um yeah i played it a couple times okay yeah i really wanted to i almost bought it in stores um but i didn't know if it'd be good enough and i had other games that were just higher up on my list, and I'm always going to regret not doing it. You know, I'm bringing this up because it has a betrayal mechanic. If you don't watch the show, there are some people who are Cylons, and they look just like us and talk just like us. But they are just trying... They're trying to kill everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of them. But then, like in the show, there are some of them who don't know that they're Cylons. Oh, yeah. And the board game actually incorporates that, um, which I think is pretty unique to the board game. Um, so they'll have some people who, some players who are Cylons from the start. And then like midway through the game, there's another reveal where people find out whether or not they're hidden Cylons, yeah. right? So it's just a neat mechanic and fits the, uh, the themes of the show very well. Anyways, yeah, I'm always <laughs> going to regret not buying that because it, it, I think it's now like, I think it might be over $200. Really? I can't remember. Did they stop making it? It's either 150 or like 250 or something, but yeah. I The first time I played it, um, 
I liked it so much and that my friend who had it, I bought them the expansion because I was like, mm-hmm. you need this. The game's so much fun. Take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think they don't like, you I mentioned think... you don't really like too much luck. Um, and that's pretty evident through things like Smash Up where mm-hmm. a lot of the game is the luck of the draw. Yeah. I think the only thing that turns me off is uh, negotiation tactics in games. I'm just bad at negotiating. Generally, I give more than I get. Um, so there's like Chinatown, um, where you're trying to build up your, um, you're trying to buy property and then build different shops. So like um, antique shops and things like that. And so you, before you build, you can trade properties or you can trade business types. Um, and you can also trade money. And the bigger property each round, you get more money. And I always end up giving people what they want and then just not making enough money to make it worth it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just bad. I don't want to make someone mad because I didn't give them a good deal. So <laughs> okay. that's just me. I I can deal with luck, I think. But <laughs> Okay, so two things. Yes. One, I want to go back to what you said about um, about luck from the Smash Up. Yeah. Uh, being uh, the card draw. Because I made me think of something about magic, which, right. you know, it's it's a game that I've said I love, even though I hate luck. Uh-huh. Um, so just one small note. Part of what makes magic so interesting and the deck building so interesting is that you are, you like half of the game is just working out how to reduce the luck, how you, to make your deck as consistent as possible. Um, so it does have the luck, but then it allows you to reduce it if you're competent at building a deck, which is just, I don't know, it's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, mean, there's, sorry, I know you're yeah, everything, but, um, Games like Hearthstone Online, a lot of people who play know exactly what their deck has. So they'll be like, okay, I'm this far into my deck. The chance of me getting the card I need next turn are at this point. And there's a lot more math in those. I mean, I guess it's like a poker kind of thing where like you have to keep track of the chance of you getting. And then they, once you play it enough, you even know what your opponent has. And so you're like, they haven't played this yet. What are the chances they have this card that can counter Mm -hmm. what I'm about to do? Um, yeah, I love bluffing too in games. Yeah, and that's definitely a big part of uh, Magic and Netrunner. But uh, uh, what was my second point? Sorry, I was talking about. Oh uh, yeah, uh, negotiation. Yes. Yeah, so I would say that that's something that I love in games. Um, <laughs> this is why we don't play board games together often. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's so much fun. Uh, like it's it's just really. It's both fun and fascinating when a game can allow or can have like part of its gameplay be something that's kind of like unscripted and not written into the rules. Okay. Uh, so like I'm thinking of Secret Hitler for one. Um, it's it's a game. So for context, you have at the start of the game, there are two sides, uh, liberals and fascists, and you get an identity card at the beginning. And then... Also, one player, one of the fascists, is Hitler, um, and all of the other fascists know who Hitler is, uh, but Hitler does not know who the other fascists are, and the liberals do not know who the fascists are. And the whole time, the fascists are trying to pass fascist policies. I'm dumbing it down a lot, but the fascists are trying to pass fascist policies, and uh, the liberals are trying to pass liberal policies, all the while the fascists try to stay hidden, because if they don't stay hidden, then... 
uh, the liberal people can prevent them from passing their policies. Right. I'm dumbing it down. Just look into it. It's great. Yeah, it's it's a solid party game. But like half the fun is just yelling at each other, like saying, you're a fascist. <laughs> no, you're a fascist. Um, and just all of the discussion and the logical reasoning that goes behind um, people, you know, playing the way that they are. And um, I guess it's not exactly negotiation. It still kind of is, though, because you're saying, no, we should elect this person chancellor. And here's why. That's negotiation at its best. And then another game that has great negotiation is Twilight Imperium, the 12-hour board game that I was mentioning, um, which is also amazing um, if you can find a group that that has the endurance for it. Um, But yeah, so so you have negotiation based on, you know, saying, I won't attack you um, if you take these planets, if you let me have these planets. Um, But... There's just so much, I don't want to spend too much time with this, but I guess the neatest part about this game is that once some players take over this one central planet, then that uh, enables, I forget what they call it, but it's basically like a global or a, a galactic senate. Okay. And at that point, there's this new like uh, phase that's introduced into every round of the game where you can vote on these different policies and the policies might do very like, huge things like certain planets no longer produce resources or certain um, uh, planets cannot be attacked or unless there's like a a big penalty Um, or certain players have to pay this penalty when attacking and just whenever there's one of these completely game-changing new laws that's put in place Mm -hmm. everyone's going to have a say on what should be done and there's just so much bidding and bluffing and discussion about why you should follow me why you should support my policies and it's just fascinating because it's it's just completely unscripted and it it allows you to do so many things that just aren't in the the rules as they're written and it it just it's a sandbox for negotiation it's great that's great i i mean i I get the appeal of negotiation i can bluff i can i can play games where you have to bluff and not good at bluffing, but I can I can do it at least. Um, I don't know. I just when it comes to negotiating, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at selling my points and arguing why. I don't know. It's it's great <laughs> like uh, job interview preparation. That's that's a solid way to look at it. Next time we play a negotiation game, I'm gonna think it's a job interview. Pretend. Yeah, just think you're arguing for a race. Yeah, because that works in real life. <laughs> yeah. So um, sobbing inside. Yeah. Uh, well, this got real. What's something about uh, board games that, that you think people misunderstand if they're, they're not really into board games? Uh, they think, I like board games. I play Monopoly sometimes. Or I don't like board games. I don't like Monopoly. Or they just think Risk is you know the height of you know combat military games. And there's just so much more out there than people don't realize because people typically see... I mean, I guess... Like us and the people that we hang out with probably mostly understand this. But I think the general population doesn't uh, look past the games that they grew up with in like the early 90s. Um, and, and so, yeah, they don't, they don't know what's out there. And so they're just limiting, to, limiting themselves. Kind of in a, you're not going to see Twilight Imperium outside of a game store. So unless somebody's frequenting these places or knows people who do, 
they're not going to see beyond what they see normally. So if you go to like Target, yeah, because you still have Monopoly and Risk and all of those games. Sorry, at um, yeah. Target and all these yeah general stores. I yeah, don't know. yeah, and I don't I don't want to give like the wrong impression. Like most people aren't going to enjoy games like Twilight Imperium, but there are so many games out there that appeal to just the general audience, the casual player. And yeah, most people don't get exposure to those. I almost feel like it's changing in a way. Um, I feel like things, thanks to like Cards Against Humanity and things like that, even though they're not like board <laughs> games in the in the natural sense, uh, they're at least kind of things that would get people playing games mm-hmm. more, or like card games and stuff. And they might be kind of, it might serve as kind of like a gateway game to like, oh, we like this. What what is something similar? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they end up in Secret Hitler. Yeah. Um, and then that leads them to Resistance, which gets them, I don't know. I feel like there is more of a, more and more people are playing games mm-hmm. as time goes on. We're getting there. Possibly. I think you mentioned previously something about the golden age of board games. <laughs> is that what we're currently in? <laughs> is that old games? <laughs> make it sound like a cult. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I, I, I was partially thinking about it because... The enlightened age of board games. You were saying after you got out of college, you went to the Dark Ages. Oh, okay. Uh, so then it made me remember you mentioning Golden Age and... Yeah, I mean, and... maybe people use that term lightly because I know that, you know, we've, we're also supposed to like in the Golden Age of television and... Um, just I don't know else. golden right now. No, but it's kind of true, I guess. Um, you know, with the internet... It's much easier to learn about board games than it used to be. It's much easier to distribute them than it used to be. And uh, I guess also production costs are cheaper because, um, I don't know, the little plastic figurines I think are just cheap. I don't know. I could just be bullshitting this. But I think they're cheaper to make these days. And uh, distrib- distribution costs are definitely better because you have Amazon now and you can just buy them off Amazon. They get shipped through Amazon. And um, yeah, it's just easier for both for both the seller and the customer. And then you also have uh, platforms like Kickstarter, which doesn't, I mean, on average, I guess it doesn't produce the best games, but it still is a platform for uh, new designers to get their games out. Have you ever found it hard to talk about board games with people? Not usually, but I guess I, I don't try to talk about it with most people. Okay. It's usually just if, they like mention interest in it or if i think that they have a personality that would lend itself to board games uh then i might bring it up but yeah it's not something that i talk to people on the street is it something that when you finally get a chance to talk about it you feel good about like it makes you feel better since you got to i guess i don't know i guess it's something that you can't really have deep conversations about unless the person's already really invested in board games because it's like discussing movies with someone who's never seen a movie. I guess then on the other side, do you enjoy introducing people to board games? When they like them, yeah. Um, yeah, I've gotten a few few people into them. Yeah, it's been nice. It, uh, it's especially nice like once it becomes like a regular thing. Because uh, then I feel like I've contributed to this group somehow. Um, and also because it's, it's just satisfying to then have a group of people to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's not like a, a passion that I get energized just by sharing with people. Okay. It's more, yes, now I have more people to play with. And more people to talk with or like compare notes on and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. 
to kind of get towards wrapping up, what's one thing um, you want people to take away from this? Well, I guess the, the main thing that I would want to tell people that, like if they were new to it and wanting to get into it, mm-hmm. is just that there are so many options to do it uh, for free. Like, it might seem like off-putting, like intimidating, because you don't want to go spend 60 bucks. And board games are expensive. You don't want to go spend 60 bucks on something that you won't even enjoy. Um, but there are so many shops out there where you can play for free, like Dragon's Lair, Emerald Tavern, um, a ton of other just in North Austin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's really not something that should be intimidating. Just go out there. They're free. And if you don't know what to play, usually the staff will have things that they would recommend, even for casual players. Yeah, I know both places you you dropped, uh, Dragon's Lair and Emerald Tavern, their employees are amazing at just explaining kind mm-hmm. of getting to know what you're looking for and then guiding you towards different games or systems mm-hmm. well, with that i think we're gonna wrap up so thank you for joining me yeah thanks for having me and unless i have audio issues again uh, <laughs> i will see you guys again in a couple weeks adios